0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 7.06
1: 7.06 on Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Hello, Josh. Hello. And this evening on the show, we uh, have Francois Gauet in from Amelia, a new uh, tech startup. They do online registration software, pretty cool product, and uh, we'll talk to them uh, in just a few minutes. But first, um, as we usually do uh, at the top of every episode of Today's Entrepreneur, let's uh, take a look at some entrepreneurial news. And uh, the numbers are in for the Christmas holidays season. And uh, it's not great. Retail sales dropped 2% in December here in Canada, according to StatsCan. Um, Josh, uh, I mean, we, we were worried about the uh, the impact um, on retail storefronts, but
2: spending in general uh, going down a bit is probably not a good sign. Well, no, d- definitely definitely not a good sign. But I guess from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, hopefully you weren't waiting for the stats to come out before you actually act or react. Uh, you know, a lot of people have a very, you know, much, much quieter time of year in January and February, certainly for retailers. And certainly if we're thinking Montreal and we, we feel the temperature outside, uh, there's not too many people wandering the streets. Uh, but the, the question becomes, are entrepreneurs thinking ahead? Are they waiting for the stats? Are they waiting for the reaction? Or are they taking matters into their own hand, which is really what they should be doing, what they should have learned from the past and say, you know what, I know it's quieter months. How can I plan ahead? Where do I reduce my staff? Where can I cut some of my overhead? Where can I, where can I find maybe the better product that moves this time? Where are the sales got to come out? And of course you have the rest of the competition that's probably doing the same thing. So you got to keep your, your eyes and ears, uh, and nose to the grindstone and keep your tabs on everything. And uh, again. Proactivity—it's reacting—is is never good enough. You really got to look ahead more than you look back.
1: So we spent uh, just over forty-two billion dollars on stuff in December, and uh, the more troubling part about this is, um, based on those numbers, they haven't actually fell that low since April twenty ten. So you know, shortly after the the recession, there does that trouble you a little bit that it's well, a, a
2: five year low? I I think that consumers are spending their money. they they're targeting where they spend their money a lot. More seriously, there's no doubt they're not. It's you're a, you're a, an entrepreneur, you're a retail store owner, or whatever that you whatever you are. Consumers have a little bit less money to spend. They're going to be targeting where they're spending their dollars. You have to be in tune with the market. Do your market research. Figure out what is going to work from a service or product standpoint. And if your competition is selling the same stuff you are, well, then find out how you can do it differently. Find out what can attract the people to your store, to your site, to your business, uh, people will, will buy, you know, we, we hear a lot these days about why do you do what you do? And people often buy why you do things, not necessarily what you do. If you, if you ever listen to uh, a Ted talk called Simon snack, uh, gave this Ted talk about why, uh, why businesses do what they do. And he gave the example of the typical apple and all that. And he says, people People will buy a smartphone, but why do they buy from Apple? They buy from Apple because Apple believes that everybody's life should be easier and simpler with this. And of course they make cool products and all that, but it's always a focus on why. And if you can, if you look at the popular stores around town, what drives people into the store? Something a little different, whether they're eco-conscious, you call them ecopreneurs uh, or what have you, they're they're being driven to the store for a particular reason, even though many of those stores have similar product.
1: Interesting story from Bloomberg News about millennials and how, uh, how my generation has been recovering after the recession. So they name uh, four ways uh, that, that uh, my generation is still scarred from what happened in 2008. Uh, I'll just list them off and get your thoughts, Josh. Um, the, first of all, not making as much money. That, that's a pretty obvious one. Not are, you, leaving, are you scarred from that, Dan? Uh, no, I'm doing all right. <laughs> uh, not, uh, not leaving their low-paying jobs, um, turning to awful investors, and the fourth is drowning in student debt. Um, all things that are uh, an albatross over the uh, the heads of my generation, according
2: to Bloomberg. Well, student debt. I won't go into the uh, Quebec education program that is rather inexpensive, uh, but there's no question that that millennials have gone through a, quite a transition over the last five years. You know, there's no there's no doubt that the number of jobs available have definitely shrunk over the years. you can listen to all the stats you want, whatever but to go out and find a job is that much harder today. you have to prove yourself uh, you know you have your employers that are maybe looking for specific candidates and the reality is the stars are all taken. you know if you are great at what you do and you even better, you have a great attitude, those people are, are working. There's there's no shortage of that. It's those that maybe their attitudes a little bit less. They don't have that right maybe work ethic. They don't want to put themselves out there a little bit too strongly or a little bit too, you know, I'm gonna go and grab this, grab this job, and it's kind of a little more too laid back and and that sense of entitlement comes through. Well, that sense of entitlement will not get you very far for very long. And that's maybe where a lot of the millennials Maybe yourself, included or excluded, kind of, kind of find yourself is is if you if you maintain that sense of entitlement, it's due to me. If that if that's the attitude, then there ain't too much. It's going to come to you. I think the boomers have a bit of a sense of entitlement too. Sometimes, though, come on. Well, that depends if uh, you know if if they uh, have their you know Ph.D. in hand, which you know I commonly term as Papa has dough. <laughs> so uh, it it really depends on on how far they they've gotten along in their own. Family and their own riches, amongst that, but they they had more
1: opportunities. So w- when they were uh, in their uh, up and coming after school in their twenties, thirties, than I think millennials do. Uh, certainly, uh, high paying, more high paying jobs, uh, uh, adjusted to inflation, of course. But uh, they were doing, they were had more more uh, interesting opportunities than I think uh, many of my
2: generation do today. Well, I, I think the growth and the different type of, of markets and products and services. Uh, you know, if you look thirty years ago, there was so there was. Little that was offered as compared to today. Today, there's so much out there that's already done and being offered and going that to find something new really takes a lot of energy and effort to to make something even better. And we'll find out soon with our guest from Amelia to make life simpler and to find that right product or service. 30 years ago, there wasn't much, out, or 40 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever, there was much less out there than it was today with access to information and access to to these services online or whatever, what have you is much less today than there used to be. The growth factor is still there. There's no doubt about it. There's plenty of things that are still growing. And the reality is jobs in five jobs that don't exist today that will exist in five years from now, I mean, they don't even know where to head. So it's uh, it's it's gotta be a scary time for millennials, no question.
1: Let's talk about um one essential element to being a modern entrepreneur, millennial or not, um networking. And this is something that uh, that uh, is being highlighted by the founder of LinkedIn, who's a billionaire, wrote a book, uh, uh, his latest book is called The Alliance, Managing Talent in the Network Age. Uh, LinkedIn, of course, 300 million subscribers around the world. And uh, it's a tool, I, I, I guess, Josh, it's fair to say, it's mostly for job seekers, professionals to, to make contacts with uh, with each other.
2: I, I wouldn't say that that is certainly one aspect of it, but I wouldn't say that's it at all. You know, there there's a, an extremely old saying that That goes, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Hmm. And if you take that saying and you apply it to today's social media world, that is LinkedIn. It could also be Facebook, but that really is LinkedIn. It's really putting people out there, whether they're professionals, whether they're entrepreneurs, uh, what have you. It's putting them out there to link with each other. Now, it's mostly from a business standpoint. That's where a lot of people look at the differentiation between LinkedIn and Facebook. One is connecting friends one is connecting entrepreneurs entrepreneurs business people professionals and if you can connect those people that so you can improve the who you know well then what you know will just kind of follow so, according to Chairman uh, Reed Hoffman of
1: LinkedIn, he says it's not only important, but he just says uh, flat out, your company will not thrive without without networking. Um, quick tips, uh, maybe for those who don't get out a lot, uh, to mingle with their professional associations or mingle with their, their peers. Um, what's a good What's a good
2: way to start networking? Uh, everybody has a different character and some people are more comfortable sitting behind a computer and others are more comfortable going to a cocktail and walking up to somebody and, and chatting randomly. I think the one thing I can tell you, at least from a, from a professional's aspect is listen more than you speak, be an active listener. Uh, people always want to talk about themselves, take advantage of that. And you'll see that the empathy and people opening up will happen much more easily than you may think. 7.15
1: on CJAD. Today's entrepreneur, our guest coming up is François Gauet of Amelia. We'll get to him in a moment, but...
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 719
1: on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you, as usual, on a Monday evening here for Today's Entrepreneur. And uh, this evening, our profile is François Gauette of Amelia. Welcome, François.
3: Thank you very much, Dan.
1: So the easiest question of the night, tell me what is Amelia? Uh, I know it is a piece of software. It makes people's lives easier, but tell me what it does.
3: Well, the purpose of Amelia is to uh, help uh, what we called a social organization meaning uh, any type of organization that sells activity classes a membership, a collect donation so sports recreation, uh, association charity it's uh, to help them um, you know uh, sell more of their, of their stuff by using the web. Uh, help them, uh, you know, streamline the operation. So basically what we bring to the table is the ability to be online and uh, not in line for the parent to buy stuff from those organizations. And um, although we are all involved in any ways, in many ways in in such organization, either because your son play uh, soccer or your daughter is, is going at the dance studio or you. Uh, are involved in a chamber of commerce we don't think as those organization as uh, being in business and selling stuff it, uh, it's true they're not there to make money but they're selling stuff and and the reality is that everybody's online and buying stuff now on on the web and so we're just bringing them uh, that to them uh, basically
2: you know it's interesting francois as as i was getting comments about the the promo ad that was airing in the last few days i get friends coming up to me go oh, oh yeah amelia i registered my daughter for swimming lessons you know last summer and i used the amelia site it's you know it, it makes life easy or uh, you know I, I met i saw a client earlier today oh yeah i registered my son for uh, for that uh, gymnastics or play group or whatever through this remember and it just seems like you know it's it's out there, and it's it's certainly a need. Where where did this idea come from? Where did this start? Take us back to kind of the beginning.
3: Uh, it's a bit of luck. Um, I've got a background in investment, and I um, I, uh, I was lucky to uh, connect with people involved in that space. And uh, I've started to look at it on a on a on a grain scale. If you look at the, at 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 them on a one by one, you. You don't feel there's uh, interesting stuff to, to to do with with those organizations because they all are uh, they all have the same characteristics. So they they're very local. Um, so because they're local and then don't they don't grow. Uh, as much as any enterprise, it's very simple. Why, if you if you're a tennis club, uh, you tend to uh, serve your community around yourself. You're not gonna go take a tennis lesson if you're in in Chicago. If you live in Toronto, you're gonna mm-hmm. take it around yourself. Uh, but if you look at at one one organization like that on a only on a on a one unit basis, you say okay. It's, it's not interesting, but when you start looking at it around where you live, you say, gee, there's a lot of them that are, are all the same needs, which is the same business process of uh, registra- you know, mm-hmm. taking a registration, selling them in their bishop or collecting a donation. And so if I, I I put all of them together, then I've got a really, really interesting business. The reality is that before the web, it was not a model that was feasible uh, because you have to um, to make it very, very simple for them to, to adopt. Um, if you look at the, the profile of your, uh, you know, that tennis club or that chamber of commerce, they tend to be, like I said, small. So not a lot of people involved, one or two people, uh, most of time are volunteer. There are people that are involved in their community. Um, so they don't have their, their resources to, to buy stuff or to deal with complicated stuff. And, you know, we saw what the, what the web does, uh, did for a lot of industry. And we're just applying it to it. So with, with a browser, they can run their business now.
2: I, I think that's great, and you know, you, you mentioned you come from a finance background, uh, and I think you were a, a venture capitalist at one point. So you turned entrepreneur, kind of, un, kind of. When we come back from the break, we'll kind of hear what was the trigger point why you kind of wanted to move from one completely different, different sector into something radically different. That should be interesting coming up after the break.
1: François Gauet of Amelia, our profile this evening on today's Entrepreneur Seven Twenty Three. <laughs>
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com. 7.25,
1: 7.25, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau. Our guest this evening is François Gauet of Amelia. They make online registration and e-commerce software for organizations, a lot of nonprofits. Um, François, tell me, you, you started out is, as a venture capitalist, as an investor, and you wanted to uh, make a change to go to, uh, to sort of be on the other end of things and to be an entrepreneur. What made you want make that, to make that rather dramatic shift in, in careers?
3: Oh, that's a good question. I, I really love uh, the investment uh, business because I, I got to, uh, to, to meet an uh, everyday entrepreneur, and entrepreneurs are really interesting people. They, I always tell people they've got to be a bit crazy to be an entrepreneur because it's really tough, but it's really fun. They're passionate. They, you know, uh, they, they'll do anything to, to, to live their dream. So and, more interesting than venture capitalists uh absolutely absolutely (laughs) until they switch hats to become well it's interesting for me because i'm curious and i gotta meet a guy that has a project a new idea so i was involved at in the beginning of the uh uh, gaming on the phone so at that time nobody was even having a phone that that was able to do text but there were guys thinking about there's gonna be game on phone one day and you're like okay that's a bit weird but (laughs) this is the kind of people you meet it's very very fun uh not today. Pro- everyone on the bus has is playing a game. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So that that was I, li- I liked it a lot. Uh, the problem is that uh, at one point uh, you realize that you're not uh, you're not in the game as a VC. You're you're. Deciding where to allocate money, but you're you're making a bet on a horse, and if the horse is good, you're gonna mm-hmm. do well, and uh, if the horse is bad, you're not gonna make it. Uh, and and at one point, uh, I, I, I thought that um, you know I needed to to be uh, in the uh, in the uh, an entrepreneur and try to build something. It's one thing to. You know, give advice to people, but once you never lived it, uh, you don't really... Uh... And I was lucky because I, I, I came across that opportunity, with uh, which I believed in. Uh, you need to to have a lot of faith to start something.
2: Well, I, I as you mentioned before, you, you saw so many opportunities over the years. Why did this one happen to catch your eye?
3: Okay, well, it could be done without a lot of capital, uh, which is very important because... Uh, uh if you need uh, $20 million to build something uh you're not in the right place because mm-hmm. in Quebec uh, we don't have the, we're, we're not in the valley eh? so um simple to understand basically uh, when I explain it to people they they they, they get it. it um um clients everywhere no one that will be uh, so huge that you'll do everything for that guy and forget about the others um, so because of that I, I'm I'm not a real really good salesperson. Uh, I I don't like to sell. Um, I like to, you know, create awareness, explain to people what you can do for for them. Uh, they either like it or don't like it. So I can move on to the next one. If this one is not a good fit, I'm saying okay, that's fine. It's, but once you've got a a, a limited number of potential clients, you need to convince them that that's a fit. Uh, in my case, um, I, you know, and I saw that that. That vision of um, you know buying stuff from a social organization.
2: Did you start off? This this got pitched to you, so you started off with other people in this
3: business. Yeah, there were there were two uh, other uh, young entrepreneurs involved with me. It was a part time project, and I was very intrigued by what they were doing, and uh, obviously I, I I really liked the really like uh, the the business so much that I jumped in and uh, invested. Uh, Almost everything I've got into Mm -hmm. trying to make it happen. So and reality is that I will never go back as as what I was doing before.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's this is far far too fun. uh, It it sounds like anyways.
3: Well, sometimes it's not fun, eh? but, Well, the, the
2: two the two partners that you joined with, uh, how did that work, and uh, are are they still partners today?
3: No, they are not partners today. Uh, one was a, a real entrepreneur, who really liked to to start new businesses, and uh, he did start another business in Montreal that's getting good traction, um, uh, well known. And the other one was more like a a, a one type one person type of, uh, mm-hmm. of people so I think he's doing consulting these days and uh, it's typical stuff uh, um, you know a, a company goes to life cycle like uh, you know any any human you 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 learn how to walk and at a different stage of life you uh, you move on uh, you know probably the same will happen to me uh, when here gets really big and it's become more like a uh, need to be more like operationally uh, focused I'm really bad at that so I thought I'll be there at that point.
2: And, and we'll talk a little bit more about what you focus on and, and the team that surrounds you, uh, of course, along with the development because this product had to get developed from somewhere. So that should be pretty interesting to hear.
1: Francois Gauet of Amelia, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur at
0: 7.30. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and our guest this evening, Francois Gauet from Amelia. Uh, They make online e-commerce and registration software for organizations like uh, non-profits, soccer clubs, stuff like that. Um, Francois, tell me about the the development of the the product. Uh, Software is uh, obviously complicated. It can be buggy sometimes. How long was the process to build the software, to build the program, and, and to get
3: it right? Oh, it's too long, I guess. Uh, I would say I've been at it at least for, for, that, for that vision of the software for five years. Um, so it starts by finding the right people to, to write the code. Um, that looks easy, but it's not the case. Um, and then uh, you need to iterate a lot of time. To figure out how to make the thing happen uh, it looks easy when you you know you open up your browser and you you know use any app on the on on, on the internet or even make a search on google you have no idea what's behind that it's really really complex there's a lot of uh, uh, i'm in fact i'm always amazed to look at my uh, my uh, my 10 guys uh, that are building software they only have a screen and a computer and out of it comes a product uh, to me, it's pretty amazing. But a challenge we faced was really um, because of those organizations, the type of client we've got. They, um, Although they're small to medium, they've got really complex uh, business rules. Um, so as an example, first of all, uh, if you come to register your, your son for a, a swim class, um, the organization really wants to know who's coming, who's gonna come swim, eh? because they need to manage your participation. Or if you if you donate money to a charity, we want to know who's giving money to the charity. Or if you become a member, uh,
2: and I and I guess they have to manage the liability too. If the, if there is a minor
3: that's in their establishment, then they need to know certain information. They they I call that form-based type of transaction. So we need to capture a lot of information. I always say when you buy a book on Amazon. Amazon don't care who's going to read the book. They just ship it to you. When you register for that uh, swim class, I care a lot. Who's going to come? Uh, what's his name? Is he allergic to uh, to peanuts? Uh, what happened is he break a leg? Uh, uh, that kind of stuff. I need to manage your participation, and I need to attach a human being to an activity, or membership or donation. So that's, that's unique. And then there's a lot of business rules, such as uh, it's for boys of 12 years old that knows how to swim. Uh, because you live in the city, you're allowed to register before the people that are non-resident. Mm. You get a discount if you're 65 years old. Uh, and then there's a lot of uh, ongoing communication has to happen.
2: It there, 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 sounds like there's a ton of rules and it's very specific to each one. Now, you started this, I think, in 2009 is when you is when you kind of got into this. How long before you actually had a first working... I don't want to say prototype, but site that that could be used. Well, how many years?
3: Yeah, yeah, it's five and a half years to get to to the the what we call the vision of the e-commerce stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, we were lucky because uh, you know, we started with a, a good basis on you know what it was doing. It was really more online registration, and the analogy I give to that is that you were go- you know, online registration is like uh, going into a grocery store and going to the the, the spaghetti uh, alley and at the end of the alley, you pay for it and you're done. You go into their serial alley and do the same and do another checkout process mm-hmm. all the time. It's not very easy user-friendly. So, so our vision was to create you know a real grocery store where you put everything in your in in your in your basket yeah. and you pay at the end so it might be a class for uh, Tommy and a, a uh, an art uh, camp for uh, Susie and something for you and and then you fill all the form for all everybody you pay you're done uh, and and you you you've got to made a transaction
2: throughout the process because 5 years is is quite a long time was there ever a point that you we're thinking about giving up and moving on to something else.
3: Uh, yeah, <laughs> it happened many times because the first the first crack we took at it to to do to build a vision we had, we it did not really work out. Uh, the product was way too buggy. Uh, it looks good, but when you, there's people that were doing transaction on it, mm-hmm. it was not good. And and although although uh, you know again our customer are small to medium not that sophisticated but they live for the registration period so if 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 they cannot connect the money when it's the registration period uh, they're dead they, they basically they're not gonna survive the season so our stuff needs to be uh really really uh, uh, strong and make sure that it works now
2: you're dealing your customer base is really predominantly I would say organizations that aren't for-profit companies they're 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 really not for profit they're there for the community this is new to you this is a new venture how in the world do you figure out how much to sell it for how do you figure out your pricing structure to these
3: organizations this is a really 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 good uh question um many ways uh um first of all i need to charge a a enough we as a a company we need to charge enough to make sure the product will still evolve okay people tend to forget that because uh, when you buy a car you have a car in your driveway it's a car it's not gonna change for the next five years hey it's Mm -hmm. not gonna so you bought the car you've made your choice you're really really happy with it when you buy a software well it's gonna change every month Hey, so you're buying more like the company. It's the mm-hmm. like ability to make the software evolve. It's ability to service you. Uh, so it's very, very important that, uh, you know, if you bought something uh, two years ago when the company really did not invest in a product, you're probably right now having a product that, that doesn't support any mobile interaction, which is really bad. Uh, our data point shows that 30 to 40% are registering on our platform through an iPad or an iPhone, or not an iPhone or smartphone? Yeah. So makes sense. When do you want to register your kids to to an activity or yourself to an activity? Probably at night in the bed with the iPad and look at around what's going on at the at the, at the swim pool. Uh, swim pool. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. so we so it 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 needs to be. Enough for me to continue doing that. Uh, it need to be not too much for those people. It need to show a, a good return on investment. And the reality that the, which is really simple is the people at the end that pays for it are the the, the parents, mm-hmm. right? Because how much is it worth for you not to go in line at the community center Thursday night at seven o'clock and wait two hours with a form and a check? It's probably worth a couple of bucks for you. So, you so will-
2: but but for the, these organizations to be able to afford it. Is it end up being transactional? Does it end up being, you know what? Uh, we, we won't be we won't charge you know tens of thousands of dollars to set it up but you know kind of a an a, a, as you use it as you
3: yeah it's exactly what it, how we've built it we will recognize that uh, our typical client they don't have capital they, they, they cannot uh, go and cut us a check for ten thousand dollar and it would make no sense at all um and again when I told you that there they, 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 there's a lot of money that flow through their end so we basically just align ourselves with their business model mm-hmm. so we're going to collect a couple of dollars every time you make a transaction and if you don't make any transaction because a lot of those organizations are highly seasonal so we just made a, a lately a couple of baseball organization they did their registration for the, their their summer uh okay but they're not going to generate a lot of money uh, in the next couple of months mm-hmm. so it, it won't cost basically not much for them to use the platform so we we make our money when they make their money and that's the all the purpose of the platform is we want to make sure that you're gonna do better, and if you do better, I'll I'll do well too. And so far, so good, and 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 the value proposition is is really really good. Well, I think as as you
2: say stated from the outset, it was a business that you went in and said you weren't gonna make a ton on one single customer, but it was scalable and it could apply to many different organizations, uh, and I would say in many different places around the world. So it sounds like you've you've achieve just that just quickly before we get, uh, just before we get to the next break, how did you survive over the five years with dollars and financing friends, family, love money, banks quickly, how did it work in, in 30
3: seconds? Uh, friends and family, um, I've made a, that's one thing I've learned when I was in my previous job, um, you know um if you want to make it uh, happen uh, look at your cash and so I make sure that I never went uh, uh, too fast and burned too much money up front so I, I still have burned too much money up front but I've tried <laughs> not to do so mm-hmm. so I was uh, was lucky because I had uh, you no know, friend and family that believed in the in the story and believed in me and that's how we made it to to this point and um, so
2: I think it's uh, it's it's a tough lesson to learn but it's it's one that you go through, and from your history of being a venture capitalist, I'm I'm sure it was something you were kind of used to and and knew about.
1: François Gauet de Vamilia, our profile this evening on Today's Entrepreneur, will have his one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur on the way. And next, we'll uh, have Patrick Sullivan in, and he'll talk about some fine print that business owners really need to pay attention to. 7.45. <laughs>
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller, as usual, here on Today's Entrepreneur. We have François Garouette in studio from Amelia, and uh, we also bring in Patrick Sullivan from Fuller Landau. And uh, Josh, we're going to... Talk about fine print, which is something that is uh, a pain for uh, business owners and
2: consumers alike. The disclaimer is there's not a single lawyer in this room. So (laughs) we're talking from a practical sense, from a business sense. Uh, Patrick, uh, one of our partners and trustees, you've seen so much from a banking standpoint, from uh, a bunch of agreements when things go bad. uh, What are some of the fine print, what are some of the issues that entrepreneurs should be aware of uh, when they're signing some documents.
4: Uh, good evening, guys. I honestly believe that one of the criteria is to take sufficient time to read what they're getting involved with, what they're going to be signing. Consult, because uh, there's a lot of creativity uh, in, in the, the makings of those, what we call them, term sheets, and a lot of legalities in those term sheets, and a lot of fine print throughout definitions, uh, throughout ratios, uh, throughout uh, hidden uh, problems that can arise if and only if you run into trouble. Uh, Can you you give some examples of some of this stuff that you've seen? Well, One of the best examples is people normally will do what what we call a, a borrowing base every month. They will report to their banker let it be the quality of the receivables, the inventory. Uh, one of the areas that basically I see all the time that people don't realize is bankers have a terminology that says we will use a 10% cross-aging. Now, what does that mean? And that's in the definitions in the, in the small print in the way back. That means that if you have a receivable for which 10% or 11% is in the over 90-day column, let's say they they will lend you money up until 90 days, if you have 11% of the total amount owing, you wipe out the whole line. Which means that if you have a customer that owes you $100,000 and you expect that you would be getting 80% or 90% in your borrowing base, but that customer happens to have $11,000 worth in the over 90-day column, you will get zero financing on that receivable. Now, Normally bankers don't really apply this unless you're in trouble. Then all of a sudden it it creeps up. And we see that often where people wow, oh, I did, we they, we didn't realize that this was happening.
2: And it happens. There th- things always come to the surface when things are bad. When things are great, then you know problems you know everybody's making money you don't really see the problems it's when there's no money and losses that problems really come out and i, I know that's one example and i'm sure there are many more and we come when we come back from the break maybe we'll get from francois from his previous life uh a, a story or two of of what he's experienced from that fine print category today's entrepreneur on cjad 753
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on FLMontreal.com.
1: We're talking fine print tonight, Josh. Uh, we have uh, François Gauet of Amelia in studio. We'll have his piece of advice for today's entrepreneur in just a moment. And uh, Patrick Sullivan, a trustee with Fuller Landau, uh, talking about uh, what some entrepreneurs should
2: uh, maybe paying closer attention to. And we were talking a little bit about fine print in banking agreements. And Patrick was mentioning watch out for certain things like you know the cross aging if you're if you're borrowing against your receivables. But I'm sure there there's other areas and and maybe not just in banking agreements. Maybe when you're selling to big box stores and and if things go bad, you know, I'm I'm sure in the the contracts, say with with a Walmart or whoever, there are certain clauses that if something goes wrong, you know, who does the inventory belong to and all that. These are these are also part of the the fine print. What do you, what are you seeing there?
4: Uh, absolutely. We, a lot of the fine prints. I mean, when when you're dealing with these larger corporations, uh, I, I like to say sometimes they have a tendency to take control of your business. They have these universal terms agreement that, that they use with all of their suppliers. And these agreements, uh, many, many times, are, are very long and have all the different legalities included in them that they make sure that if you run into a problem, they will literally do whatever they want. They will return your inventory. They will debit your account. Any trick is good, and it's all written loud and clear into their agreements, except that these agreements you want the business the entrepreneur wants to get that top line so sometimes they'll be very negligent on what they're going to be signing and it's it's obvious that you never look to a bad situation your law an entrepreneur is always a positive individual but you also have to take to consider that if things get bad what can happen what can they do to me that will Ultimately, render my business either totally insolvent or will put me in enough jeopardy that I will have to reinvest monies into my business. With all these
2: term sheets, and I'm sure that I'm sure the, the the lawyers are getting creative and and putting in more clauses and and certainly pro- protecting the banks to the n- nth degree. Quickly, do you do you find in your experience that some of these clauses are negotiable, or that's it? That's all. This is what it's in in there and And move on
4: there is there's always room for negotiation in a term sheet uh there is very little room for negotiation in the security instruments themselves uh yes an entrepreneur can negotiate a personal guarantee uh an entrepreneur can negotiate certain ratio factors but that has to be done at the offset once the deal is signed it becomes very difficult to come back and reopen the deal and renegotiate Especially if the business is not performing to the degree that, you know, originally people expected it to perform. So if you generate your budgets and you realize what you've said you were going to realize, everybody is happy. But the minute there's a change, then be, you better have, you know, made sure that it's really uh, dealt with at the offset.
2: Moral of the story Make sure you have a profit <laughs> and keep keep your financiers at bay. And uh, and uh, we won't bring uh, François back to his his golden years of uh, of being a venture capitalist. But we will turn to him as uh, as the owner of Amelia and uh, and ask you, François, as we do uh, each guest each week, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
3: Well. I- I think it's based on my uh, my experience as a venture capitalist. I uh, you know I was involved in over 20 startups uh, financing them and uh, I would say always plan for the worst. Uh, you know I've seen so many uh, entrepreneur come to me and tell me you know I'm going to it's almost done. I'm going to sign that big contract and I'm be I'm going to be okay. Uh, I I it never if people, you know, tell you they they they've planned right from the get go that it's gonna happen like that, it's it's not the case. You know, uh, we 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 at Amelia we're we're doing really well, but uh, we're still struggling with some aspect. I don't know in six months what it looked like, but I always plan to for the worst, not to have to be uh, to be dealing with the fine prints because I know um, if I have to uh, go see my bank or you know uh, it's it's not gonna happen. So take your time. Um, a big, a, a solid business is built over time and plan for the worse. Excellent. Thanks, Dan. My
2: quick takeaway, and it was really very subtle, but Francois is great what he does, but he also recognizes areas that he doesn't do so well and he surrounds himself with a good team. We didn't have a chance to talk about the team that, that, that surrounds him, but he recognizes what he doesn't know, and that, that truly is uh, is indicative of a successful entrepreneur.
1: François Gawet from Amelia, thanks for stopping by, François. Thank you very much. And Patrick Sullivan, thanks for joining us once again. Pleasure. And Josh will be back next week, Monday night here at 7 on CJAD 800. The Exchange with Lee's Raveries is next.